is it that we're too good at music and Eurovision is full of corny crap music for like well, ten for like ten year olds? Well, no, because it's not even that. Like you know, there was a song from Eurovision that made it into the charts in Britain. Oh, I like Euphoria. Was it which yeah, is like a dance yeah. pop number? Exactly. So you know, Hello and welcome to Peak Performance with Paige. It's episode 11. I have on uh, a familiar guest from way back in the pilot. Hello, Dan Green. Hello, hello, hello. I'm back by popular demand. Yeah, no one wants you back. Oh, well, that's that's mean. Alicia's still mean. How are you? I'm good, thank you, mate. <laughs> good to have you on. Oh. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be back. Gang, gang. Um, yes. I liked the pilot. I think the pilot was potentially my favourite episode. Oh, oh, slamming the other guests there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they were all rubbish. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I really enjoyed our episode too. And so it's really good to be back, Harry. Um,. So what have you been up to since I last spoke to you? Uh, you know, uh, drug dealing, people smuggling, international terrorism, creating oh, a zeppelin oh with lasers on the sides, um, <laughs> colonising Mars, but full of people who are five foot tall. Um, so just an average, just an average Thursday for you then, I guess. Yeah, Thursday afternoon actually. <laughs> yeah, well, Thursday morning, I'm in bed. Great. <laughs> um, oh dear. So it's going to be two, I think probably two thirds um, silly talk, nice sort of chill talk. Uh, we'll do some Eurovision. Yes. Uh, you like Eurovision? <laughs> love it. I love it. It's the gay Olympics. I'm hyped. <laughs> Uh, and then we will go on to do a little bit of politics at the end, um, some Labour Party, and Spicy. see how that goes and see where we go Ooh. with that. Fun times. Let's get cracking. Do you, <laughs> would you believe that the uh, the pilot is the only episode that... Um, well, you know, that's the clip from the beginning of the pilot where I go, careful, yeah. careful, <laughs> going to be Love minimal it. editing. I did end up doing editing after the pilot. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's always the way, like when I was, um, when In I had to do a sort of podcasting at my last job, you always had to like cut all sorts of stuff, whether it's background noise or anything like that. It's really, it can be a bit fiddly, but um I think, like I said, it's been pretty good so far. Let's keep it up for the next 10, next 20. However many we keep going, all, all the way to 100. A thousand. Millions. <laughs> Turning out um, 16 a day. All that 
I have a mic. Content. The mic is cool. That's exciting. It's cool. Gives you that sort of professional sort of feel, doesn't it? I, I at some point we will move to video. I think. Ooh. But I feel like I video implies being able to cut less. Yeah, probably. Unless you sort of cut between, you know, both of us or whatever, I guess. But yeah, that'd be exciting to get to see our faces. HD, 4K. <laughs> I think what really stands out in the podcast, Dan, is the, so, um, the sample that I have at the beginning of episode... I'm getting tangled up with my episodes now because I've been um, releasing... Episodes all squished together. Oh, that's a nice picture. Mm. No, thank you. The Polish Dan episode. Right. At the start of that episode, the sample that I have from that is me singing that silly... I'm singing that silly um, early 2000s R&B lyric that's like, my neck, my back. Oh, God, that song. (laughs) Yeah, I, I do know that one, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> That's the sample that I chose for the beginning of that episode. And then the oh, start great. of the very next episode, um, it's me and Franklin talking about, like, theory of alienation, like Marxist. <laughs> what, a, what a contrast. <laughs> I, I think it's like... Because when I did research for, like, technical research for how to do a podcast, there was a lot of Americans coming, you know, like super like marketing gurus that want mm. to like charge you just to give you advice and they're like mm. what's your brand bro you need to have a <laughs> podcast brand and it's like yeah no i don't have a brand it's just gonna be me and all kinds of crazy kids talking about absolute waffle mm. um we have, everyone has mostly kept to no swearing um we've had mostly like it feels like the recap we're obviously going to talk about some great stuff in the episode but back in the pilot i was like the little podcast like virgin of podcasting and now we are podcasting (laughs) chad later there's something in the news recently about the country of chad um so the, the chads were up to something yeah, no, it was his president. Chad's president died, didn't he? He was killed oh, on the front line. He died in battle. That's so Chad. Literally. Oh, so fuck's sake. Oh. Careful. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> oh, I'm going to keep, I might keep that one in. Mm. Um, Sort of like adds to the flavor, doesn't it? Mm. In fairness, I feel like no toddlers like listen to the podcast I've heard of. Don't listen to them yet. Yeah. There's still time. I'm going to get a child's militia army. <laughs> oh, God. I want to invite him on. Joseph Coney and his gang who have been you know, out there. That, that was probably, you know, I'm going to make the bold statement on the podcast. Very genuine, felt um, historiography. That that, only. that that was the first ever basically like social activism fad 
of a topic that became a thing out of nowhere literally nowhere i don't think anyone in like 2011 was talking about south sudanese politics it was a thing yeah exactly it was a thing for like fucking it was a thing for three weeks and then was completely dropped and i think joseph coney is still alive and doing bad i'm not i'm not too sure actually i've heard that he's like got some sort of illness or something that needs like medication how's he gonna get um uh, i'm sure i could find it for you i don't have it to hand but i'm pretty sure like if he is alive he's unwell with some sort of illness or whatever and like his arm is apparently like only a like a handful than it was uh, but yeah you're i think you are right like, joseph coney oh. wikipedia says he's still alive okay well he's yeah he's probably still out there somewhere then but i like must be getting on a bit and like his army I don't think is anywhere near the size it was when you know Cody 2012 exploded all onto our screens lives me yeah a um geopolnik from day one I knew about I didn't know about the Lord's Resistance Army but I knew about um the crazy stuff going on in South Sudan at the time and it was like I feel like people had this really problematic view that it was just like generic African warlord. I mean, it, I mean he was, but like you can't just flavor like big chunks of the um, African bushes. Like just that's kind of like a, a slightly dodgy nineteen uh, sixties mm. view. I remember it, but it, I I can't remember too well. Like I know we were sort of. I don't think I was aware of it before. That's for sure. And then all of a sudden, like it said. Like you said, it just sort of exploded out of nowhere and then it all went downhill pretty quickly. It was kind of, it was like the symbol of like the one like equals one share or like, you know, the one life type save type thing, you know. It was like early Facebook mass spreading event uh, stuff. Absolutely, yeah. It was the, the one that I certainly remember the most. Um, I know they put the lyrics even... to that song. They, if somebody was very distasteful and put lyrics related to that to um, the Call Me Maybe song. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, the 2010s. It was a different time, wasn't it? It was a, I think... the early 2010s. I liked the early 2010s, actually. Yeah, like, I mean, I I really liked uni. Like, the time that we were at uni, I think, was really good. Like, It really goes to show when we think about Zoomers, Gen Z. Yeah. Ten years ago, in 2011, if someone in Gen Z is 18 now... They were eight. Yeah. But then technically you're Gen Z, I think. Like, isn't, isn't the cutoff point like 96, 97? Well, yeah, that would be the oldest person in Gen so, Z. Yeah. yeah. So you're, you're technically the oldest in Gen Z and I'm in this sort of weird... No, no, I'm not bit. in Gen Z. Yeah. That's an absolute I think, lie. I think, I think you're in denial. I think you're Gen Z, mate. I'm like no, on the cusp. Gen Z. 
I didn't know how to use Discord. I got Discord recently and accidentally like voice called the whole group that I was in. Oh my god, you are such a boomer when it comes exactly, to technology. Exactly, so I'm not sometimes. in Gen Z, you absolute pagan. Well, you're in Gen Z in like name only, literally just because of your age. I'm a millennial. But no, you're a, like a boomer in a Gen Z body. No, that's absolute <laughs> rubbish because there's such bait. My primary school took, fun fact, my primary school took us each year to go to the cinema to watch Harry Potter. Really? Wow! What sort of school did you go to? A cool school. That's that is pretty cool. Like we didn't never got that cool. We went to a place called Hazard Alley at our school where we learned how to cross roads and call the fire brigade and all that. Call the police. Rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you're from Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire is God's country. Hertfordshire (laughs) be made into a giant gulag. Oh, well, that is that is just hate speech at this point. Good. Come arrest him. Arrest listening. Prevent, come after me, prevent. <laughs> I, the crimes um, against Hertfordshire. If you say you're from Hertfordshire, you're I, rubbish. I am from Hertfordshire. Oh, yeah. okay, great. Um, Charming. <laughs> Harry Potter is a millennial... Thing. Yeah, not a Gen Z thing. And yeah, but then uh, my primary school got PCs whilst for the first time whilst I was in primary school. When I I started, remember when we got ours, but I think it was primary school. Were no PCs. Hmm. I don't really remember if there were when I started or not. It's a bit fuzzy. But yeah, I guess it's just sort of, it's this sort of fuzzy border of millennial to Gen Z that there is that sort of bit of overlap. Like we sort of remember like 90, you know, bits of 90s and early 2000s kids television that don't really resonate with the, the youth of today. <laughs> Almost youth. like we're not in Gen Z. Peter. I think you're, you're borderline. You're in the fuzzy, you're in the fuzzy sort of area. Mm, not convinced. Mm, okay, well, agree to disagree. I think. <laughs> uh, you. So, um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I started time stamping all of the low key because sometimes I release them a bit late. But I, I started time stamping mm. all the episodes because I make references in the episodes usually to things which are happening on that day or adjacent to that day. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I said something in the Glenn episode and it, like, aged badly. Uh, I can't think of what it was. And I'm sure you can listen to it if you, like, really look out for it in episode two. But then after that, I was like, actually, I'm going to timestamp everything. Um, but today's the 21st of May, which means... Tomorrow, it is a month until easing as well. Oh, yeah, everything goes to plan. Not talking about this treacherous COVID. Don't mention COVID. Don't mention COVID. 
<laughs> Boris Johnson is not a competent person. We do not stand. But yes, tell me what's tomorrow, Harry. Eurovision. You know it, I know it. Yes. Bring it. Bring have it you, home. Have, did you watch the same Bring it home, James. I didn't, but I did watch a little bit to catch up. And, you know, I've had a little listen to the songs. I mean, norm- normally what I do, every, normally what I do every year is I normally, I go in completely blind. I don't listen to any of the acts. And, and then I just watch the final. And then I sort of, you know, I don't have any sort of background sort of like, oh, I really like this song sort of going into it. I've sort of gone in blind. But this year I had a little listen to the songs. And I'm impressed. There aren't that many, you know, I'm a bit disappointed there aren't as many crazies. Normally there are quite a few crazies, but, you know, there's some really... I'd say, like, um, Moldova, sort of, it's like that region. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, the, Mold- the Moldovans, where they had the pointy hats one year. I think it was Moldova, where they had a guy coming out of a woman's washing. Um, and then you're like, you have got Poland, where the buffs are turning that one year, with the women and the skimpy attire. That was, that was quite raunchy. But, you know, like, that's what makes Eurovision great, that sort of spiciness, you know, the sort of crazy wackiness. And then you've just got Australia in there for some reason. <laughs> well, and Israel. Yeah, you've got Israel this year. You've got, a, um, but, they've got a, what is it? I think it's called Set Me Free this year, which is interesting. Interesting. Um, that's song, the name of their actually. song. Um, <laughs> Let's uh, shelf that for later. Kind of, Kind of reminds me how Britain's one was going to be called like "Let Me Breathe" or something oh, for no. 2020, which did not age well. And then obviously they pulled it because obviously last year's got cancelled. Um, but yeah, so looking forward to it. It's going to be some interesting. It's going to be a really interesting one, I think. There's some front runners. We've got Italy, France, and Malta, who are all leading the way. And then also you've got Flo- the American Flow Rider oh. in the running, is that along with someone else for San Marino. I mean, yeah, of course it is. Like you had Celine Dion, who's Canadian, representing Switzerland once, uh, who won. Um, yeah, it's kind of strange, but that's just you know that's just one of the rules. You can have you can have whoever you want. Um. I think part of it Ireland is that it has Jedward to be maybe. Once, didn't they? Ireland had Jedward. Well, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they are literally Irish, so it's fine. They had Jedward twice, actually. They represented Ireland twice. Um, I think Ireland still actually has the record for most wins, funnily enough. Who Even... did we have? I think one of the so... years. One of the years. Um... The British team, I think it was one of the Jedward years. It was like a boy band. Yeah, it was. So um, we had Blue represent us. Blue, and they were racist. Wait, what? When was that? The so racist? Before, I don't remember that. Yeah, so bef- when they, you know, like their countries go on tour around the other countries. Yeah. And they, there's like video of them, because I actually watched like the, semi-finals or whatever they mm. go on a plane to Malta which by all accounts is a very lovely warm country which mm. almost joins the UK in the 50s do you know about that yeah I do but we turned them down we offered them an MP or like and then we said oh actually now we don't really want you anymore 
That would have been Bye. great. I would have gladly had Malta in the UK. Cool. Anyway, they landed at the airport and they said, oh, wow, Maltesers. And they bought some Maltesers and were like pointing at the Maltese, uh, the Maltese people. And we're like, wow, Maltesers. And you're not meant to do that because like, obviously it doesn't sound like a big deal to British people, but it's quite taboo in Maltese people that. That is the epitome of British people abroad, isn't it? It's the sort of, we swagger in and we point at something. We don't know the language, but we'll just say it loud in English and hope people understand. That is Britain abroad. <laughs> Very naughty. Oof. Fun fact. It is, yeah. Yeah? Malta is in the EU. Yes. Semi. Yeah, that's not the fact. Semicolon. <laughs> Maltese is was heavily impacted by the spread of Islam through the Mediterranean. I didn't know that. Are you allowed two semicolons? Can you do that in a thing? This is a three-parter. You can hit you can hit me with it. So we had like the EU comment, then we had the Islam Arab language comment. Yeah. Therefore then... Maltese is the only language in Europe from the Semite family of languages. Now, now, that is interesting. You're That's hitting it. me with a very interesting fact That's there. Good fact. Because you're trying to learn a uh, language. Oh, no. Come on. Come on. An Asian language. It's, it's not a... Hungarian is not an... It's Uralic. Yeah, it's Which not your isn't really it's not really Asian. Your boyfriend it's is a person of colour. <laughs> like for any Hungarians listening, you know, get in touch and you know, let us know your thoughts. I love the Hungarians, Hungarians aren't yeah. good people. I'm actually sound like, sound I'm actually... like you sound like <laughs> Trump. You're like, I love them. They're beautiful, beautiful people. I love the Hungarians. I'm friends with several oh. Hungarians. Great people. Oh god. Yeah. I'm not I don't hate Hungarians. Most of my best friends are Hungarian. <laughs> and Budapest is a very beautiful city. It is, it is. I've been a couple of times. It's very nice. Um, um but going, getting back to Eurovision. Yes, Eurovision. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned some... Malta. They are one of the favourites to win, but I don't know how they host it. Like they're not about a bigger country. But there we go. Rude. But yeah, they've got like a they've got like a a budget Lizzo type person to sing their song. It's all very female empowerment and all that sort of stuff, which is Eurovision catnip. So we'll see Do how you that goes. Remember does. the oh lord. The Israeli um woman. I'm not your toy. Burp, 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 oh yeah, burp, burp. you're a stupid boy. And then she was making yeah. like chicken sounds. Of, of course, it's one of the classics now of Eurovision recent history. That, along with something like Finland with the the sort of the zombie or not zombie types, but the people in costumes singing Hard Rock Hallelujah, one of the greats. Yeah. There's an interesting map that you can look at of the world which is countries per capita. Ooh. Oh, we like per capita maps. They're always very interesting. We do. 
of metal bands. And, and I'm guessing Scandinavia is like bright red, and yeah. the UK um, is kind of like light red, and then the USA and Australia are pink. And those are the only the places rest. that have uh, yeah. a significant amount of like proper metal music. It's quite screamy, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it is. They're very screamy. And then, but yeah, so this year it seems to be a battle between um, as we've got Finland who have got rap rock this year okay. versus the, versus the the favourites to win Italy who've got Italian rock. Oh, so, Italian so that's going to be rock. Italian rock, yeah, Italian language rock song. That's going to be interesting. And then you've just got France, which is some. France thing, French. Why, it's, you know, it's decent. Why does the UK do badly, very badly in Eurovision? Well, famously, we didn't always. You know, the last time we won was in '97, and we have a pretty good track record. Uh, that was Katrina and the Waves, uh, an American act again. Um, but you know, we used to do pretty good. We've had, I think, we have hold the record for second places. And um, I think we were, I think we're second best performers. Ireland have won the most. They've won seven times. And one time they won like three years in a row, which is quite an achievement. Um, but yeah, things seem to go downhill when we just stop sending good acts. Like in 2003, we sent this really tone deaf group called um, uh, Gemini. And it was just, it was painful, painfully. It was an awful watch. We got zero points for the first time ever. Oh, um, and then from there, we just stopped sending good acts there, you know, just half-assed sort of acts that weren't very good and didn't really have the spectacle of some of the other countries. So I don't think it's necessarily politics, as some people have said, you know, where Russia gives 12 points to Azerbaijan and Azerbaijan sends 12 points. Yeah, I mean, of course, of course there is that there, but you know, that doesn't explain how Germany have won, how Norway won and all that sort of stuff. It's because they had really good acts that inspired, you know, captured people's imagination. The best we've come recently is Fifth, which wasn't too bad. We had a good song that year. That's but, um, yeah, it's, you, you know, we need to actually send good people. Not to massively offend. I'm not sure oh, if massively yeah. offend is good English. <laughs> very not to very much offend you not to super duper offend you um and the whole eurovision stan crew is it that we're too good at music and eurovision is full of corny crap music for like well, ten, for like 10 year olds at, well no because it's not even that like you know there was a song from eurovision that made it into the charts and well, I like Euphoria, that. Was it which yeah. is like a dance pop number? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, so like the rules of you know Eurovision have changed. You know, you don't have to have a really sort of crazy song where people dress up in tin foil and dance about to win. You know, you can have good songs, you know, you can have good music, but the problem is we aren't sending good acts there. Like, you know, maybe if we send 
some of the best stars in the UK to so, Eurovision, we might actually have a chance. In theory, we could send Harry Styles or Adele. We could send Harry Styles. We could send Ed Sheeran. We could send we could send someone from America, like everyone else is doing. You know, Flowrider is here from San Marino. <laughs> like we could send anyone. But we don't. We don't send the best. We send, you know, random people. I think I, I can't and even remember the guy's name. We also contribute funding towards um, Eurovision, right? The, the production and the, yeah, and that automatically, so one of the re- automatically guarantees us a place in the finals. Yeah, exactly. So there's a group called the Big Five, and they're the sort of the biggest contributors, and that's us. France, Germany, Spain, and Italy. And so we all, all five of us automatically qualified to the finals. I think if we, if we didn't do that, we probably wouldn't have made it into the final for quite some time. You know, look at poor yeah. old Ireland. They haven't made it in for six or seven years. So how many countries actually don't get to the last stage then? So there's about 40 countries participate in the entire show. And then in the final, there are 25. So it gets narrowed down by 15. a bit. Yeah, just about. Give or take how many countries are in. Hungary aren't in it this year, oh, unfortunately. No, so, because um, because they, well, they didn't the say... Hungarians aren't European. No, they didn't. They didn't give an official reason. But it's rumoured that uh, the broadcaster has pulled out because they considered it too gay to participate uh, not the gays because you know with like bearded ladies winning the contest and you know gay couples kissing and stuff they just thought oh no we can't Your have that he's incredibly gay it is peak gay and that's why I love it that's why everyone should love it why has gay I feel like gay people... why has the gay <laughs> <laughs> Why are you gay? I I feel like gay people themselves don't know why they adopt things. Like I don't know why gay people are trying to claim ABBA. Like I don't know if you've seen nightclubbing. ABBA is like really popular amongst like incredibly straight men. You know, if I just say like an incredibly straight person, like somebody with like they you know like their house is a mess and they have like graham the builder singing dancing queen in his living room i don't think so yeah no like i'm sure they they... yeah no that literally happens mate that's like a really oh my god um (laughs) graham uh, if you're listening you know pop off give me give me i'll have to send you a link it's called like um boiler room i don't know how to pronounce the dj's name it's like fowler more Gimme, gimme, gimme set 2019. It he played gimme, 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 and it like also um Georgie, aka Rick Sanchez <laughs> from uh, previous on the podcast. He literally played that last night at his first post-COVID set, and that went off. So yeah, straight. I mean, they're good. They're brilliant songs. Abba. Yeah, and I think I think that's fair. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why we claim them but they've just got a magic to them that makes them ours um, 
I think it's probably like the costumes and just the meat, like the the sort of the Euro pop sort of feel to it. And it just is one of the reasons why we adopted it. I think the reason that gays love Eurovision so much is that it's very, it's all very much about tolerance and diversity and also the garish outfits and the dancing. It just all ticks all the gay boxes, as it were. You know, and then acts, of course, like the bearded lady and things like that. You the know, gay Yeah, the gay, gay criteria is met and matched. The gay empire. Absolutely. Long may it live. The, the ancient <laughs> Greeks were basically a gay empire. They were. They, I hear it on good authority that they partook in... Oh, Lord. ...in the partook- gay... Uh, and please tell <laughs> our family-friendly audience what that involves. Um, in well, when a man and a man love make each other very much, they they, they make a baby. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. They less <laughs> said about that the better. Family, family friendly, family friendly. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, Ask your parents. <laughs> They sort of like mm. do that thing in films where like the person like becomes two people. Oh dear. Um, like self cloning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that 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 is exactly yeah. That's how it works. This ties very nicely into my dubious plans, which I didn't get to finish telling you, um, before the podcast, for the day for tomorrow for Saturday the Eurovision day. It ties in yes. quite nicely actually, um. We're talking about. Um, I mentioned ancient Greece being um, gay friendly. Mm. Uh, the thing that I decided on is, you know, Bloomberg, the bloke. Uh, yeah, I know Michael. Michael not, not personally, but I know of him. He's my bestie. Yeah, Michael. Your bestie is Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> yeah, legend. Mm. We don't. Actually, he's yeah, he's, he's okay. He racist, actually, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also like you know, he did some really yeah, he's not great. He's like this your stereotypical American millionaire. He's well, he's billionaire possibly. Yeah, I think I think he actually is. You know, you have to have a lot of money to fund a presidential campaign that doesn't even get you any delegates. Oh, so. rip! Yeah, he's my president. Oh dear, racist Democrats. God, you go hashtag not my president, but literally because Bloomberg is the guy you want. Um, <laughs> his speak imperial neoliberal building overlooking London, like the Bloomberg London HQ building. Yeah. Because that's in central London in like the really good uh Historic, yeah, like the, the mile, yeah, yeah. Like the, the square all, mile, yeah. In all the European, like old cities, the contemporary important places have been built gradually over time over older important places. So, in the roots of that building, I'm quite excited to go. Actually, I'm doing this tomorrow with um, okay, we'll sing. Shout out to Will. Hi, Will. Boo. Um, 
in the grounds of this building is the architectural remains of a secret cult to in the in the bottom of uh, the Bloomberg building in the right possibly like the ground floor and below it's called the London Mithraeum I think it's Mithraeus it's okay. pagan cults from the classical period around bull worship Ooh. and yeah no genuinely you're doing a silly face there <laughs> are it's a masculine cult that lots of soldiers Whoa. yes I'm getting to that <laughs> a masculine cult that was big in ancient Persia and spread to Greece and Rome uh, it was considered um, like heresy if not worse because it was undermining the Greek the Greco-Roman pantheon right it was like a different thing altogether um, and it was popular amongst soldiers who would secretly worship it. Um, and we think that there's a homoerotic element to it. Oh, oh. So we well. think you, you could have like as many people as like a whole regiment of soldiers all secretly, basically like an LGBT in the closet regiment in a pagan cult. So that's the, the thing. Gay regiment. That's the, the gay battalion. Yeah, gay militia. That's the thing I'm we going stand. to tomorrow. Lunch. Oh, well, very fun. I'm sure you will have a lovely time. <laughs> I think it'll be great, mate. <laughs> well, get a, some fun stuff. It's a hidden... Oh, <laughs> a hidden <laughs> gem of um, London archaeology and history. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Very lucky to have found two spaces, two vacancies in the lunchtime period. That is fortunate. Everywhere is booked up at the moment because, you know, as soon as everything's opened up, everyone's so, making up for lost time. So rammed, if I may make a <laughs> pagan pun. Oh, Lord. Pagan pun. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so that would be cool. Um, yeah. Actually, I find you have to tell me all about it. Uh, yeah, I like um, that. I feel like if I take pictures, there's loads of pictures I need to put on Instagram at the moment because I only have like one post, like one little group of pictures. It's quite tragic. Since I've only got Instagram, uh, yeah, take some, take some pictures, show people, show the masses, mm. uh, and it's free by the way as well, so that's nice. Oh, great! Well, if anyone's listening, make sure to check that out. Yeah, don't. It makes me a hipster if no one else goes. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't check it out then. <laughs> Let Harry be the only one. Ooh, the audience are rubbish. Leaving in their droves. That's the that, no, that's a surefire <laughs> way to get more people to follow if I just insult them all. Great. You're idiots. Genius plan, Harry. Yeah. Bulletproof logic. 
Shall we? We've done Eurovision. Yes. Shall we do a little bit of the Labour Party? Yeah. <laughs> what on earth is the Labour Party? Oh, what a... I mean, what a... You know, excuse my language, but what a shit show it has been for the yeah. last... Last month, really. Like, ever what? since the, lo- you know, the local elections and then the fallout from that, it has been appalling. Really bad. You know... Even even I, someone who I was, you know, okay with Keir Starmer, willing to give him a good, you know, a try and see how things turn out. I'm really, I'm disappointed. I'm really, especially, I'm more disappointed with the, the way that he dealt with it afterwards, you know, with Angela Rayner being demoted and then promoted. It's just, and then well, threatening she was never meant Lisa. to. She was never meant to get re-promoted. Well, yeah, obviously, but it's a massive backlash to it because she shouldn't have been sacked anyway and then the plan to possibly get rid of Nisa Nandy which got scrapped you know I know you're a, a big Nandy fan you know we both we both supported her for the leadership um, Queen yeah I think she would have been very good you know I almost think that maybe we've made made the wrong decision but yeah yeah it's just so it's but you know, so the, disappointing. You know, the context around the rain, I think, gets darker the more you go into it. Oh, it's just... They had been planning on binning her whilst the Hartlepool thing was running because the polling was looking bad and they were talking about throwing her under the bus because she was head of the campaigning, even though she wasn't in charge of the campaigning message. And she had said, I think Angela Rayner had said, why have we got a Remainer guy running in Hartlepool? that's going to probably piss people off. Exactly. Like, you know, it's just, it's such a bad look to get rid of, you know, when you, when you start doing well in certain places, you know, certain working class places, you know, we did a really good result in Manchester, you know, and then had really bad results in places, you know, where they sort of saw Labour as like a, you know, the corporate sort of, you know, elite of the South. And then you get rid of one of the most prominent working class women, you know, in the party and, you know, from one, a major role. It's just such a step backwards. Ugh. There's more. There's more. Yeah, unfortunately there is. <laughs> she, they were going, one of the things that they were going to use to beat her on the head was mm. that she was taking expensive train journeys, sitting in first class. Do you know about this? Go on, tell me. Yeah. But just she, shaking my head. She, the reason that her defenders said was why she was taking first class seating that was obviously coming out of the party fund or whatever um, was because she didn't feel safe because of um, the concerns that women have at the moment around travelling alone mm. um, in public spaces like around men she didn't feel mm. safe uh, travelling on the train yeah that away from it's just so honestly it's just just so badly thought out by Starmer I'm really like I said I'm really disappointed I'm almost got to the brink of thinking whether I should leave the party if I'm perfectly honest well I know quite a lot of people are considering voting green I mean they already are I mean the local local elections with anything people are leaving Labour and voting green you know by the hundreds I mean just look at Bristol who now have more green councillors than Brighton now. Could they have a 
Green MP? I I think they're in a very good position to take Bristol West to the next election. It'd be a big swing. I think they need like more than fifteen percent. But based on the results from the local elections, I think they're a, you know I think they've got a very good chance to take it. Is that their now. top? That's to their top target. Yeah, they've been trying to cultivate Bristol West for quite a while, quite a while now. Um, they saw their vote share dip in 2017 because Corbyn, but they came very close in 2015. And now 2024, 2023, maybe, you know, that could be it. The thing that sort of pushed them over. And then Caroline Lucas gets another friend to talk to oh. in Parliament. Yeah, I'm it's been having... 11 years. I may be having a green councillor on the podcast. Now, that would be exciting. It'd be great if the BBC would do the same. You know who <laughs> I'm thinking of? Is it our very good friend? Our very own Lucy Pegg. Hey, I haven't spoken to her in ages. It'd be good to hear her voice. Um, how the people from the Brighton Rooster are going up to bigger and bolder places. I know, you know, all the stars coming from Brighton, from our friendship group. Very, uh, very elite group of humans. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> oh dear. No, well, the great. But yeah, I, yeah. I do think they will take. I do think they will take Bristol West. I mean, I, they're talking about trying to target somewhere like. Um, I think Sheffield Central, which is quite strong Labour. I don't think they'd take that. And then somewhere like Bury St Edmunds, I think they've got a chance in, but I, I doubt that somehow. But Bristol West, I think, is very, very could be takeable next time round. Do you think if Keir Starmer wanted to commit to like a progressive alliance type thing where he campaigned for changing the electoral system and more environmentalism mm. would that work because i feel like the minor left-wing parties want a coalition i think on paper a progressive alliance would work i think what what labor needs to do i think i think they need to do two things for the next election one i think they need to commit to proportional representation and then that way, even if they don't say, oh, we're going to stand down in X seat, because I know Labour's a bit funny about that. You know, they could say, look, I know you vote green normally, but can we borrow your vote just this once so that way we can change the voting system and make things fairer? And I think people would be receptive to that. And then people would go back to voting green or whoever they want to after that when they, we have a fairer voting system. So I think PR needs to be there. And I think the second thing is committing to some sort of at least even a trial of UBI, universal basic income, you know, they're trying to get in Wales now. I think those two sort of are the radical things we actually need. I mean, we can't talk about nationalising the railways anymore because the Tories have gone and done it already. Yeah, I didn't pursue that story. I ended up looking at memes of um, Portillo. Oh, God, yeah. Imagine if he ends up heading it all, you know. Choo-choo Portillo. He's a very good person. I actually genuinely like him. I do, yeah. Friends with Diane Abbott, which I think is cute. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to be of the same political persuasion to be friends with people. Or do you? 
No, no, you don't. I had a very good, uh, you know, when we were at uni, I had a very staunch Tory who I called a good friend. So, you know, you don't have to be. You know, we can disagree politically, but it doesn't really change. Unless the they're them. Well, yeah, of course. Fraser, if you're listening. I want him on the podcast eventually. Really? I mean, he'd be interesting to talk to, especially with his views about Brexit as well. Very interesting for a Lib Dem. Spoilers for future episode. Based Lib Dem? Oh, no. Let's not even get into Brexit. (laughs) We voted leave. Uh, mm, mm. (laughs) The UK and Hungary will be united in tearing down the concept of a quote-unquote Europe. In a race to the bottom, yeah. Getting back to Labour, you know there's (laughs) another by-election coming up. I do. What, is that Batley and... Batley and Spen, yeah, former seat of the late Joe Cox. I heard that her sister might be running in that seat. She... Yeah, I don't think they decided a candidate yet, but I think she is one of the possible people she would who hold be it. selected. I think she would hold it. Maybe, but I would worry that maybe they, you know, some people might say, "Oh, well, you might be her sister," but you know, this isn't this isn't the old times where you just inherit the seat just because you're related to the person. We want, I mean, that's you know, we basically want something different. That's basically what politics is still. Well, yeah, but, you know, they don't like the blatantness of it. You know, that's for the House of Lords. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I, about that. I'm not talking about the, the continuity of the traditional system. I'm saying that, like, even in the system of Republican values, when you look at the USA, mm. you have, like, the Clinton dynasty, the Bush dynasty, the Kennedys. Yeah, I know, but I just I don't know whether, like, people might reject that at the moment in favour of you know like how they've seen Hartlepool pitched you know like oh vote Tory and you'll get more money sort of thing mm. so I, you know I don't I think it could be close I think Labour will end up keeping the seat you know that the Brexit Labor, vote in heart if Labour yeah. lose that seat then does Keir Starmer have to resign well I mean he doesn't have to I mean he could stay as long as he wants but I know Diane Abbott um, has been saying that he should resign. Um, I don't know. I think there would be a lot of pressure for him to go, but I'm not sure whether that would be beneficial because we're still in this weird sort of situation where obviously, like, I think one of the reasons Labour was hampered in the locals was obviously because of the pandemic. You know, the, the Tories are having a massive boost because of vaccines. But also we went into the election without a very clear proposal for government or like what Labour would do if they did get elected. And I think that was a really bad mistake. Bad candidate in Hartlepool as well. And it all just stacked on top of each other. Do you remember in the pilot I said that Dodds, the Shadow Chancellor, was rubbish? We did have a conversation about that. And look what's happened. (laughs) Yeah. People will, I think when we look back on this, people will only focus on the Rainer thing. Whereas actually, when you consider that a broken clock is right twice a day, purging dogs <laughs> was completely respectable. I am not a Dodds fan at all. I think, I know um, several friends of mine have said, oh, she's very smart. She, she lectures and she knows about money. It's like, yeah, okay, but 
She's the charisma well, of a rock. Well, apparently, when people heard her speak in like focus groups, they warmed to her and they liked what she said. But clearly, the message that she had wasn't coming through. Whether that was because of charisma, or whether because she wasn't being allowed out enough to, you know, to get airtime. But you know, she's still. She's. I think she's been moved to chair of the party, hasn't she? I think so. At least she's still relatively high up in a you know decent position. So at least you know. Still get some airtime to do whatever she needs to do. I hope. I feel like the idea of a focus group is quite broken because it's not a realistic portrayal of how someone gets their voice spread. Like if you sit in a room with three walls and a screen, and they play you Dodds talking. And, like there's literally nothing on your table apart from a glass of water and a banana you're going to really concentrate and f- focus and you know that the Labour Party has like picked you in as a focus group you're going to like mm. actually think about the pitch whereas most people yeah. dotting about their day they're not like hyper intensely <clears throat> focused on the Dodds speech for the like you know the yeah se- the second quarter gdp it's not how it works is it you actually have to no no it isn't you have to have like charisma that kind of stands out it's almost like you know like you have like birds of paradise in jungles and the bird is like all kinds of crazy colors like pink and red and purple and stuff you need to be you have like flair and be punchy you need that sort of charisma, uniqueness, a sort of a nerve and talent, really. A little drag race reference there, if anyone's listening. Yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> oh, you should watch Drag Race. We should watch Drag Race together. I love Drag Race. No, I'm all right. Oh, come on. Looks fun. I think you, it, it's brilliant. I think you need to just watch a couple, you know. Yeah, no. It's a hate crime if you don't like it. Good. It's part of our, it's part of our heritage community of the gays. Um. <laughs> we quickly segue. <laughs> Moving on. Oof. How how the Bad gays times. have fallen from having gay militias going around sacking ancient cities and eating all the grapes. <clears throat> To is this, was that RuPaul's that remind... Drag Race? Yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race, of course. Who is RuPaul? The legend RuPaul. Um, that's RuPaul Charles. He's the um, he's the host. He's um, the sort of the head honcho drag queen. Yeah, Yank. Well, yeah, it's an American show. Oh, that's terrible. But he was on. You know, he's been a very famous drag queen. He was a part of the March March on Washington. Very. What, with with King. Well, I don't know if it, with King it might have been a different one, but you know he's oh, like sixty. Was, you can't say he was on the march to Washington, but it was. Hang actually... on, let me have a look. I could double check that. But oh he was, yeah, he was know... on the march to Washington, nineteen ninety nine, campaigning about <laughs> like, campaigning about like um, air pollution. I don't think that counts as air pollution. Come off it. <laughs> Okay, he was on the, yeah, the nineteen ninety three march on Washington for lesbian, gay, and bi equal rights and liberation. 
Nothing to do with Martin Luther King? Not to do with King, no. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that would make him a dinosaur. But but it's a, it was the gay march from Washington. Gay, the gay one. Dropped your gay card. When the gay ones did it. <laughs> gay mandem. Um, yeah. Can I just tell my story? I've been thinking... Yeah. Like, I've been thinking before the episode, you know, are we going to... Because I do politics and I want to gradually throughout the podcast get more and more fearless and just like smash out topics. Do get we your do... feelers out for the lads. Get your serious cap on. Okay, okay. Serious cap is on. Serious cap. Do we do Israel-Palestine? Do we not do Israel-Palestine? Ooh, very controversial, very touchy. We can have a little... We can dip our toe into the waters of Israel-Palestine. There, I, I literally had a, uh, a Twitter take um, that they were both fake. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they're both Israel and Palestine. Are fake. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's, might, that's certainly one. Not many people know this. This is a fun fact for other people out there. If you Google Star of David, it was not uniquely Jewish until the very horrible things in World War Two, when they were portrayed with a Star of David. It was originally just a like it belonged to pretty much like Jews and Christians equally. Oh, okay. Um, and it was only like the mid twentieth century that they had a rebranding, and they put it on the flag of because they they were set because Israel a lot of the founders were socialists from the Soviet Union. They wanted a secular Zionism, which was weirdly not super, um, you know, like Torah. Ultra conservative, and because the image that they would have had for that is the um, I don't know what it's called the thing that you have on like the prayer table. I think you have um, candles in it, yeah. I I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember the name off the top of my head. The hang on, give me let me do a very, very quick Google. If any um, Jewish people are listening in, they're thinking crisis is such like normie, genteel. Know, their heads are in their hands. Is it the uh, a menorah? Yeah, bingo. Yeah, that is the thing. That apologies. They had apologies. My Jewish sisters. Um, that's the I I think that personally looks cooler, but that has more of a, like a conservative um, religious connotation. So mm, I was okay. saying like that's that's not real, that's a made up flag. And <laughs> and the Palestinian flag was also made up. It's was only it came about in like nineteen ten possibly, um at like Arab nationalist meetings, or we also think possibly it was invented by um Sykes from oh. Sykes Pico. Yeah agreement another, so it, it's potentially another a great work it's uh, potentially a um, symbol of British imperialism which is quite ironic ah 
Another great thing that the British have done. Um, <laughs> Another, like, yeah. Okay. Uh, what I want to do with this is talk about my silly Twitter experience as a nice way to round yes. up the episode. Yeah, sure, shoot. Um, so on my Twitter, I've been posting lots of stuff about awareness of what's going on. Um, all these horrible civilian casualties in Gaza, and um, I'm very interested in independence for a Palestinian state. Um, on TikTok, I wanted to find... We both have TikTok. Yeah. You got me into it, which is quite treacherous. You hated the idea of TikTok to begin with. You were like, oh, I'm not going to look at this. This is for children, you know, and then all of a sudden you have become a massive fan. Yeah, okay. TikTok. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I wanted to find video of um, protests and yeah. the algorithm gave me, have you seen this on my Twitter or not? Shall I send it to you? Yeah, send it to me after, yeah. <laughs> I I ended up on Jewish Twitter in a really big way, which had some interesting <laughs> consequences. Some very horrible quite serious content of two different videos of Londoners. There's not really any way to... Oh, I, I do remember this, yeah. There's not any, like, way to call it other than Londoners Jew-spotting? Yeah. Yeah, that it felt... Un- when you sent me that, it felt uncomfortable. I like, don't really know, you know someone someone going out and be like, oh, let's see how many Jews we see along the way. Like <laughs> that's ugh, very so, un- you know. So I posted those and I said, like, you know, what is what is going on here? Because they did it in um Jewish areas of London as well. Said, what is going on here? This is absolutely bonkers. And one of my friends on Twitter shared it and he has significantly more followers than me and then it sort of like permeated into Jewish Twitter people were like snowballs people were liking and sharing it two funny things that happened from that one was this random account by this lady you know how some older people don't really understand that the creator of content is not the same person, is not automatically the same person as the person who posts the content. Yeah, yeah, of course. And yeah, some people don't get that. The Both of the videos, the creators of those videos were black teenagers. And I'm very obviously not a black teenager. I had this comment and it got loads of likes, which was really jarring, where it's like, I don't think that the woman in the comments, this Jewish lady understood because she was like old, that me posting that. You weren't. The people in the videos, and it's like me posting something from the internet does not automatically make me that person. And she was like, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) And she got like 30 (laughs) likes. And I was... At first, I posted. You'd just be like, "Yeah, I'm not the people in the video. I'm not 
a black teenager? Well, at first I commented and said pardon, mm. but then I th- oh no. Then I felt that kind of made me look insecure because, like, I shouldn't even have to appease that sort of silly comment. So, mm. uh, and the other funny consequence is because of the dire state of Israel-Palestine discourse, it's a, it's like it's a so perverse and horrible, Dan. It's assumed mm. that, like, if you're sticking up for the Jewish community, you're like a massive Zionist. Yeah. And I was being followed by these like old lady, like right wing Zionist Twitter accounts. And like, if you scroll through their Twitter, they are like fans of Likud, the Israeli government, which oh. is, like on the right wing of Israeli politics. Yeah. And it was all, you know, like it's crazy bonkers, crazy bonkers um, opinions, right, right wing. Mm nationalist Israeli opinions and then like occasionally like Donald Trump quoting Donald Trump Ooh. saying good things about Israel um, and it's like yeah no I like the Jewish community and I like Palestine I don't see why those have to be contradictory they are, they are. They are. And I think that's the really important thing that you know regardless of how you feel about this whole situation and it's it's bleak, it's horrible, and it you know doesn't show any signs of sort of ending. You know, what Israel's actions are not representative of all Jews in the same way that the actions of any sort of other you know like organisations that commit atrocities. You know whether that's you know for instance like the Islamic State isn't representative of all Arabs or Muslims, you know, I think that should, and attacking Jewish people for what Israel is doing is just bonkers and ridiculous. And that sh- it should go without saying, frankly. And it's, it's shameful and disheartening to see that people are, you know, the case of anti-Semitism and sort of attacks on Jews have gone up as a, you know, following what's been going on in the Middle East. Um, but unsurprising, unfortunately. To end on a nicer note, I think... Yeah, on that happy note. <laughs> I think um, I would like to pick up what you just said and dispute that. Actually, I think when we talk about um, attributing blame to larger groups of people, we could probably say that the Normans... The Normans are bad people, and if I ever meet a okay. Norman, I'm going to be racist to you. Your country was very horrible to England and the Anglo-Saxons. If, if it's a Norman listening, get in touch. You know, I'm sure Harry would love to have you on the podcast and berate you for half an hour to an hour. I'm going to form <laughs> a army of child militias, and, and- child militias, LGBT uh, Greek soldiers. Um, Palestinians, Hungarians who aren't European and And you're going to take back the Normans I'm going to beat the stuffing out of Normandy because you literally had, this is a genuine comment, this isn't a silly comment which disclaimer, most of my comments are silly Um, during this fishing debate recently over the English Channel oh yeah it was like the, the 
man was like the head of Normandy's agriculture or fishing, or was he something more senior than that? I I can't recall off the top of my head, but go on. He's so this um... really, I can't remember. Um, I, my gut wants to tell me he said like we could go to war with Britain, but I feel like it was less less bold than that. He said something really uh, disproportionately. Slightly provocative. It's very intense. Uh, just about the rights of the English fishermen to fish in the English Channel. Absurd Ooh. region. Absurd region of France. The French don't like you. We don't like you. Um, you're We're coming to get you. Um, zero although, in French region. Although... Although I have to say, I I did go and go to Normandy on a school trip. It was very nice. I'm sorry. Good. I went to Mont Saint went to Mont Saint Michel. Very nice. So if there's any Normans listening, you have a very picturesque area of the world. Very nice. But I'm afraid that Harry does not stand. Uh, yes, I I know about this uh, relationship. If you I might make a conspiracy website with like brand new conspiracies that I make off the top of my head. Oh, well known Hertfordshire Normandy alliance to take over the UK and France. Building a tunnel between Hertfordshire and Normandy. Don't listen to these Hertfordshire the, lies. The, the Hertfordshire Normandy elite, the, the famously. <laughs> I hope that the poor audience don't get besieged. If I ever like went on TV debates or you know like the nice lunchtime panel shows, <laughs> I would be very serious and like do you know like straight politics. I do hope the people on the podcast don't get disarmed by how flippantly I change between like we just did anti-Semitism, <laughs> which is a very serious topic. In yeah, it's quite the contrast what we in, just did in Western Europe. Well, it's because like I feel weighted down by doing serious topics for more than like five, ten minutes in a row. Mm. So we wrapped up with the uh, refreshing wake up uh, English wake man. Wake up sheeple. Wake up <laughs> French man to the insidious insidious words of the Norman. <laughs> it's been very good to talk to you, Dan. You put up with... It's been great to talk to you. Have me back. I'm ready to come back anytime. Uh, I loved the pilot episode. Yeah, me too. And I, yeah, I can't wait to do this all over again sometime soon. Um, you put up with my dodgy Wi-Fi. You put up with my the absolute detritus that I come out with uh, on and off the record. But we always have a good laugh. You'll possibly see me for my birthday. That's nice. Absolutely, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be good fun. Uh, Post-crazy um, COVID tourism restrictions, we'll have to visit one of the European countries. Maybe we could do a live podcast Ooh. from one of the countries. That'd live be fun. From the Mordor of Europe, Normandy. <laughs> live from Normandy, and we speak to some people be like, why are you Norman? <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like that framing yeah yeah you heard it here first folks just you know stay tuned